Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 27, verses 7 through 14. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek her face. Seek your face, Lord. I do seek it. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off or forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Judges chapter 7, verses 12 through 22. The Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley as thick as locusts, and their camels were without number, countless as the sand on the seashore. When Gideon arrived, there was a man telling a dream to his comrade, and he said, I had a dream, and in it a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell. It turned upside down, and the tent collapsed. And his comrade answered, There is no other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has given Midian and all the army. When Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Get up, for the Lord has has given the army of Midian into your hand. After he divided the three hundred men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars, he said to them, Look at me and do the same. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets around the whole camp and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. When they had just set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. So the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars, holding in their left hands the torches, and in the right hands the trumpets to blow, and they cried, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place all around the camp, and all the men in camp ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the three hundred trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow and all against the army. And the army fled as far as Beth Shittah toward Zerurah, as far as the border of Abel Meholah by Tabath. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you to both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you also must be glad and rejoice with me. Good morning and welcome to the third Tuesday after Epiphany. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. This morning's readings are from Psalm 27, uh, the seventh chapter of Judges, and finally a, a short chapter, a short selection from the second chapter uh, to the Church of Philippi or Philippians. I usually love Philippians. I still do. Um, I hope you'll read my article uh, on Medium called uh, Paul's Letter to Veterans, in which I um, interpret the letter to the Church in Philippi as a letter to a military community, because that's exactly what Philippi was. Um, but today we continue on with the story of Gideon and Judges. And Judges as a whole, as a book, is known uh, in scholarly circles or, or just anybody who really loves their Bible. Judges is the place where this really confusing and morally complicated thing occurs when uh, the time for wandering ends. Uh, Joshua has led the military campaign through the land of Canaan and taken the land by something like genocide. Um, But in Joshua and again in Judges, um, uh, it's unfortunate, but these two books are uh, very often, but not always, there's a lot in Chronicles and Kings and stuff like that, but Joshua and Judges in particular is this Old Testament God of violence where God commands uh, all order of things to be killed and um, it's really difficult to try and interpret not just because of the violence but also because there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's never the same in it for any two battles. Um, and not every battle uh, does God um, encourage this or order it. Um, and the ordering we get kind of this reminiscent reminiscence of with Paul reminding this military community um, and and thanking them for always obeying him, not just when he's there, but also when he's gone. And the military is very accustomed to obeying orders um, and being obedient, even unto death. Um, But uh, these battles that challenge our easy assumptions about war and military service um, because no two are alike, we can't really easily say that this is that this one thing is how God is dealing with, you know, uh, people that are oppressing Israel or attacking Israel. Um, and Gideon is one of these people in the Old Testament who is a warrior who leads people in battle. But Gideon, like Moses, is afraid. And yesterday we heard how. Um, he doubts himself four times and, and you know, God's call in his life four times. 
Um, and here, uh, we still get kind of this hint of it. What has happened is God tells Gideon, look, you know, go at the in the middle of the night to the camp of the Amalekites and Midianites, um, and you'll, you know, you'll overhear this, and this is where our story opens. Um, Gideon is afraid and nervous and not so sure of himself, and he hears his enemies uh, talk about this dream that they've had and interpret it themselves. So, you know, God or fate or whoever's already paved the way, like really, literally all Gideon has to do is just kind of go make a big scene, and everybody's already kind of a little nervous because of this dream that's been interpreted and passed around the camp. And um, we get a reminder of how, like, nonsensical some of these um, uh, battle scenes or, or scenes of violence are. Um, with Joshua, uh, one of the more uh, notable ones, when the, the siege of Jericho kind of kicks off his campaign, um, they circle Jericho seven times, seven days, blow the trumpets, walls fall, and everybody scatters and they're put to the sword. And here again, Gideon, um, the the confusion that ensues later that I won't talk about because I don't want to foreshadow what may or may not be in the reading tomorrow, uh, but that's a whole different thing. The initial success and the kind of upper hand comes through this mysterious, miraculous force that Christians call providence when um, Gideon is instructed to do this really weird thing of you know, blowing trumpets, breaking a clay pot, and then like shouting um, and then watching as their enemies kind of s- scatter off into the distance. Um, and what they shout is a-, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Um, the careful listener and reader will notice that when they actually do it, they say a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. But the instructions were simply for for the Lord and for Gideon. And there, there's, uh, I don't know, I take this as this reminder that humans are are fallible and sometimes we make mistakes and that maybe this little addition is nothing big maybe it implies a certain kind of escalation on the part of the humans in the story and that you know above and beyond what god called for um but nonetheless they they do what gideon is commanded and what um seems to contravene any logical military strategy where they go they circle the camp which is probably strategic. You know, you want someone surrounded. You want the high ground. And then they they break these pots and they pull out torches and they, they shout. And everybody's freaking out inside the camp and then run off. And that's essentially what gains them the victory. There's other stuff that goes on later, um, but that's kind of it. Um, violence is not always the thing that wins. Uh, the might of our swords and our chariots and the number of our soldiers is not always what wins. In fact, Quite often, it's not what wins; it's what kind of loses it for us. And as we're seeing in counterinsurgency, we've been fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan for over a decade, and we clearly have a superior fighting force, and yet we still have failed to accomplish whatever vaguely stated objective and mission that we may have had. And now, um, after the Pentagon Papers have come out, we know that military commanders have known for some time that. You know, despite our mighty army and our many soldiers and their training and their expertise, superior firepower, we've never been winning in the war in Afghanistan and, frankly, probably not in Iraq either. Um, And that's a difficult lesson for those of us in the military. 
um, because we are trained that superior firepower is usually our first and last resort. I remember as an infantryman, or rather as a member of an infantry platoon, as artillery, um, the first thing you do if you make contact with the enemy is you return fire and try and suppress them with over, uh, overwhelming firepower. It's not, you know, take cover, strategize, loop their flank or something like, no, just start shooting. That's the first thing you do. That's how ingrained uh, in us is the myth of, of um, superior firepower and, and the idea that violence can win despite us never having seen any something like that ever being successful. Um, and so I, I also have in the back of my mind kind of these pacifist leanings in myself and in the church uh, that downplays violence, that um, wants to encourage the human community uh, to be much more creative than just resorting to violence as a means of resolving conflict. Violence ultimately is a failure of our, our own imagination, our own creativity. Um, and here in this scene with Gideon and with a number of other uh, biblical battles, um, God uh, encourages us to think outside the boxes that we've constructed, uh, to think outside violence, to do these crazy, weird-ass fucking litur- liturgical kind of moments um, to, uh, to, in fact, achieve success. Um, that takes a certain amount of faith to believe that, you know, say in Jericho with the trumpets, that, well, send in the Marine Corps band first. Don't give them weapons. Send them out with, you know, uh, an original copy of the Constitution where you're going to circle around the walls or something. Uh, or if we go to, you know, to the camp of the Midianites, the Amalekites, and we're, we're going to send, you know, the, the, the food servers, the cooks first, and they're going to have ceramic pots that they're going to symbolically smash and then you know they're going to have these torches that they light and they'll scream and and the the rest of the battalion or whatever is going to then rush in um and it seems nonsensical and that seems to be precisely the point to force us out of our expectations to force us out of these human constructs of violence and overwhelming firepower or force and forces into the the troubling reality that vulnerability and creativity um, is far more powerful um, and prone to success um, than, than our, our attempts at solving things through violence. War and Victory, a prayer by Rabbi Abraham Heschel. Give me no gift of weapons nor feelings of victory, I want no triumph, let me fight, but lose. Give me heroic stubbornness and love, an unending heart, to give friendship without measure, to forgive without end. Only grant me strong, bright senses to bring happiness, to help, to hear the needs of even a pulse beat, the call of any person. Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where PPUHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. 
You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.